0: Will you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15? And as I've already indicated, we are in our Fixer Up series. There will be one more of these messages after we uh, complete, um, after Mother's Day, we'll have a final uh, message in the Fixer Up series. But uh, this one today, Fix Up My Reputation. I'm assuming that by now, If you haven't uh, seen that program, I'm assuming that most of you have found that program uh, on the HGTV channel called Fixer Upper with uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. And uh, I'm assuming that you've either watched it or DVR'd it. More importantly, I hope that you have found some encouragement in fixing up your spirit, fixing up your strength, and fixing up your mind. Today, We're fixing up our reputation. Many years ago, I found myself in a firestorm because of a ministry decision that for many reasons became very public. Now it's been so long ago that a lot of you have no idea what it's about. The rest of you are fighting the urge to lean over to the person next to you and whisper what it was about. So uh, just if you don't mind, just hold on to it. There's a lot of anger, of, there was a lot of anger about the decision, and there was even more misinformation. I was quoted uh, in the newspaper and online, even though the quote didn't come from me, it never came from me. I chose to say nothing to the press, but it didn't stop them from putting it on the front page for several days in a row. I was praying during that time, but not what you might think. I was praying for a tornado or a hurricane or something that would take me off the front page of the newspaper. It wasn't a good time for my life. And I'm guessing that 20 families or more left this church over that negative time and that negative publicity. The internet was on fire with bad stuff about your Wonderful, lovely preacher. It was just on fire. Now, I said that because there really is no better introduction to the message today than a personal experience that I've had with a reputation issue. It turns out that there are companies out there with the sole purpose of fixing your reputation online. Did you know that? And here's how they do it. They do it by flooding the internet with good information about you, saying that you do love kittens and uh, that you did have a nice mother and, uh, and so on. They flood the internet with good information about you and they push the bad information down to lower pages. It doesn't remove it it just pushes it down. And every time you search for something on the internet and click on it, the article is pushed up just a little bit toward the top of the results in whatever search engine you're using. Here's what I'm saying. I hope you won't go and find my bad stuff and click on it because you just helped to hurt my reputation. And quite honestly, you should think about this every time you go and click on gossip you should think about the fact that you are pushing someone's bad reputation to the top of the search engines on the internet instead of helping them to maintain a good reputation. Now I don't say that with any rancor I just say that because it's a good way to illustrate or or to introduce the truth. Even when your reputation is under attack for the right reason and not the wrong reasons. It's challenging and it is hurtful. And let me say this to you. Anybody who does anything at any time at any point in life is going to face some challenge to your reputation. It's just going to happen. In fact Jesus said this, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you And utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Even so, that does not stop it from hurting and causing some degree of suffering that lasts for a very long time. What can we do to fix up our reputation? What can we do to fix it up especially when it is for less than righteous reasons? And not everyone who has a challenge to their reputation has that challenge for righteous reasons. Sometimes it's for less than a righteous reason. It's fair, or the question is, is it fair to make someone live with the reputation of a bad deed or a former, former demon in their life? Is that fair? Can't we be part of helping other people fix up their reputation? Shouldn't we be a part of helping other people fix up their reputation? Well, the answer to that is, yes we can and yes we should. Every person has regrets. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have regrets. And let me say this to you, you may have regrets about something you've said or done, or you may have regrets about the way something you've said or done was interpreted. But everybody here has regrets. Making people live those regrets over and over is unfortunate and it is unfair. Today I want to show you three people in the Bible who had some reputation issues. I want to show you three people that have problems in their lives and they set out to change their reputation. Now the Bible is filled with people who had reputation issues. I just want to show you three and these are three <clears throat> that I know you're going to know about you may even identify with some of them this is the story the first one is the story of a young man who grew up and he was rather <clears throat> spoiled um, he was one of two sons he lived in the home of what apparently was a quite a wealthy man and one day this young man decided that he was just finished he was just done He was tired of living under his father's reputation. He was tired of living under the rule of his father's home. He was tired of having to submit to his dad because his dad had all the money. He was just absolutely tired of it. And so here's what he said. I want to get everything that's coming to me when you die. Everything and I want it right now. I don't want you to wait until you die. I'm not going to wait until you die. I'm not going to live under these rules any longer. I'm not going to live in this house any longer. I'm going to get what's coming to me right now. And the Bible says that his dad turned it over to him. His dad let him have the money. His dad let him have what was coming to him. And you know what the Bible also says? That the young man went out and he wasted his money on reckless living. He sunk so low that he hired himself out to feed pigs and he even <clears throat> envied the pigs for the food that they had that, the, that he didn't have. And that's where we pick up the story in our text from Luke 15 verse 17. But when he came to himself he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. of real life meaning. The main meaning of this parable is not about how the young man went about to set uh, to rebuild his reputation. However, that is an ancillary truth uh, or a parallel truth, if you will, that goes alongside the truth of the father's forgiveness. Here's a guy who has ruined his reputation. I mean just ruined it. He ruined his reputation in the family, he ruined his reputation with the neighbors, He ruined his reputation with the community. He even ruined his reputation in the place where he went. Because he went and everybody knew that this is a guy that had had plenty of money at one time and had a large inheritance and now he had hired himself out to feed pigs and probably was stealing a little bit of the pig's food. I mean, he had ruined his reputation. How did he fix it? How do you fix a reputation when you've done something like this or when you've done something <clears throat> that is clearly wrong. Well, the word for fixing up that reputation is repent. That's the way to do it. You just have to repent. The end <clears throat> of the story is about the elder brother who was not ready to let the younger brother get his reputation back and was very jealous of the reception that his father gave to the young prodigal. And, uh, but that's another message. What we're looking at now is the way this young man... <coughs> went about <coughs> repairing his reputation. And the way that he went about it was to repent. He had to make a, a decision and repent <coughs> of his reputation and repent of what he's done. Now there's three aspects to this and I want you to see all three of them <coughs> and I hope that you'll write this down or if you're taking notes on your iPhone or your, uh, your smartphone or your, your iPad <coughs> or something write this down. Here's three steps to his repentance. First of all, he had to face it. He just absolutely had to face it. Everything begins with facing it. Everything does. You have to face it. If you want to fix it, you got to face it. We have to face who we are. We have to face what we've done. We have to face how we are living. We have to face what others see in us and on and on it goes. We just have to face it. You can't fix it if you won't face it. That's the reality. For the prodigal, he had to face that he had made some terrible, terrible choices and had ultimately failed in living life on his own. He thought that he was big enough to take everything that was coming to him and go and make a good life and do better with it than his dad had been doing for him and with him. And he had to come to the place where he said, you know what, I just haven't done it right. I haven't made it the way that it ought to be. And he had to face it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? No it isn't. It isn't easy to face it. It isn't easy to admit who you are. It isn't easy to admit what you've done. It isn't easy to admit the mistakes. It's just not easy. It's hard to face what we've done. It's hard to face what we've done to our reputation. Chances are that you see yourself through a filter that colors you in a better light than you really are chances are that you do not see yourself the way that other people see you that's why we like professional photographs because they put us in a good light and then they fix what's wrong that's why we don't like accidentally seeing ourselves in three-way mirrors in the department store We don't like walking by and accidentally seeing ourselves the way that the other people in that department have been seeing us. It's hard to face who we are. We can't really believe that people see us as being rude. That's just hard to face. It's just hard to face that somebody would look at us and say, you're rude. That person is rude our first response is no I'm not rude because a rude people have a hard time facing that they are rude or that you're fretful or a worrier they just don't want to face that they're worriers we just have a hard time facing that we're arrogant or that we're abrasive or that we're sinful or that we're immoral you can you can take whatever adjective that you'd like to put there and and Whatever it is over the years that somebody has said about you, it's hard to face, <clears throat> but tr- chances are, if it's true, if you're going to fix it, you've got to face it. You've just got to face it. You have to say, that's right. That's who I am. That's how I am. That's how I come across. That may not be how I want to come across, <clears throat> but that is how I come across. Until you face it, you can't begin to fix up your reputation. So how do you go about repenting when a part of your life is wrong or when you've done something wrong that is affecting your reputation? Well, the first thing you have to do is face it. I am just thinking it'd be good for us to just say that out loud together. Say it. Face it. Would you say it again? Face it. Say it convincingly face it. We've just got to face it. Don't you have something in your life that you really ought to face? Don't you have an ongoing problem that that for some while has been somebody else's problem, but it's really not somebody else's problem, it's yours? Don't you have something that you need to face? After you face it, here's the second thing, about face it. You face it, then you about face it. Regardless of how embarrassing it would be to admit it, he decided that he would do an about-face and go back to his dad. He needed to move back in with his family. He had made a big scene when he left, but he would come back with a whimper because he about-faced himself. Now, I'm sure that pride is the biggest reason that people do not fix their reputation. They would rather die with a reputation that they didn't want than to face it and about face it and fix <clears throat> their reputation. It's just a hard thing to do. We won't face our flaws. <clears throat> we don't want to face our flaws. When somebody confronts you with a flaw, and I'm sure that they have, if you have, uh, if you have a glaring flaw in your life, your boss or your family member, somebody has, has presented that flaw to you and you have denied the flaw or you've rationalized the flaw. You have said that's not really my flaw and it's because you are not going to face it so you're not going to about face it. There's probably someone here maybe watching uh, by live streaming probably more than one or two who right now in your heart and mind you're struggling <clears throat> with this message because you know that your reputation is not what it can be, not what it should be, and you know what you've been told along the way as to why your reputation is what it is. And it really does bother you because you think you're not that way, yet that is your reputation. And so in order to get to the right place, you have to face it, and then you have to about face it. Maybe you've had it pointed out to you, but there's no movement from you. You don't want to admit it, and you don't want to about-face it. You don't want to go in the other direction. You just are not into that. Let me tell you this. Not only did the prodigal look at his reputation and do an about-face, he went back to the place where his reputation had started getting its real problem, and he did something that you and I have to do and that is fess up to it face it about face it and fess up to it it's what the prodigal did when the prodigal got back to his father he immediately confessed his sin he didn't beat around the bush he didn't say you know I probably said some things I shouldn't have said (laughs) I mean I was living here at the house and you know there's a lot of pressure on me and I just didn't, maybe I didn't respond as good to that pressure as I should have. And I'm sure I said a couple of things. and If I offended you, I hope you'll forgive me if I did. If I said the wrong thing, and I'm sure I said some things, if I said the wrong thing, I want you to forgive me. No, no. He went back to his dad and he said, hey, what a dummy I am. I am not even worthy to be called your son. <clears throat> I am embarrassed. I am wrong. I have hurt the family. I have hurt myself. This I am just a, a big ball of confusion. To quote Sly and the Family Stones. I'm just a big mess. Just a big mess. Would you hire me as one of your workers in the field? Not asking to be the son. Just saying, look, I'm confessing this. I am trying to fix this. That's what he did. And like the heavenly father, the prodigal's father was eager to forgive him. Here's what the Bible says about God. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I know people who readily embrace 1 John 1, 9 and confess their sins to God but they would rather die than face up to their own problem do an about face and fess up to it around their friends or their family or at work. If you've damaged your reputation with someone, nothing short of facing it, about facing it, and confessing it is going to get you even close to where you once were or where you need to be. Reputations are huge. They take a lifetime to build and they take just about an hour to ruin. They're huge. And everybody has reputation. Everybody. Everybody does. Look, let me give you the the story of two famous football players. Both drafted in the NFL. Both drafted in the NFL. Both of whose names you'll know. Both who have been awarded or were awarded multi-multi-multi-million-dollar contracts. Both who deserve to be drafted high. Both who have phenomenal football skills. Both who have reputations, big reputations. Here's the two names. Warwick Dunn, Jameis Winston. They're both great football players. I, I'm gonna tell you, you would have to you would have to go back to his hometown and bribe people to get anything bad about Warwick Dunn. He has that reputation. Jameis, Jameis is going to have to work for a long time to come to overcome his reputation. Reputations are real. This isn't a message about football or NFL or Jameis Winston, but it's a good current events illustration that you'll understand and it's all about reputation pure old reputation if you're sincere and repent as the prodigal did you can find yourself like him in better reputation than you were before how do we fix our reputation well the prodigal would say I'll tell you how I fixed mine I repented that's how I fixed mine There's another guy that would say, the way that I fixed my reputation was that I restored some things. I made sure that what I'd done wrong was restored. It's the example of someone who had an occupation and an action, or actions that caused people to think bad about him. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a Jew, but he was also a tax collector for the Roman government. He was not well liked. In fact, most people thought he was a crook. And he probably was a crook. Because in the course of fixing his reputation, he admitted that there would be some things that he would need to restore. One day Jesus was coming through town and Zacchaeus wanted to see him. And as all of us know, he was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And This is where we pick up the story in Luke 19 too. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And <clears throat> he was seeing to, uh, seeking to see who Jesus was, but an account on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature and he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him where he was about to pass that way and when Jesus came to the place he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully and when they saw it they all grumbled <clears throat> that is the watchers as he has gone into the guest of a, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, <clears throat> the half of my goods I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now this guy lived with a bad reputation he just lived with a reputation he was he he probably traded on the bad part of that reputation the Bible does say that he was rich well you get a guy that was collecting taxes for the Roman government and you get a guy that could pretty much much name his own price and chances are he's going to you know get a little extra and keep some and that was kind of the rules they you know you got to give this much but you can get whatever you can get and so here's this guy that needed to fix his reputation and it started when he saw Jesus verse three said that he was seeking to see Jesus he was rich and he was in a position of 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 uh, wealth and and a position for his wealth to continue to grow But he wanted to see Jesus because Jesus had been changing lives. And so he ran and he climbed and he looked and surprisingly got a response from Jesus. If you want to see Jesus in your life, you can. You can also be sure that he will notice that you're noticing. And he'll not reject you. Jesus said in Romans six thirty-seven, all that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Others saw Zacchaeus as a crook and they saw him as a thief and they saw him as a sinner but Jesus looked at him in a different way. Jesus saw him as somebody that needed a change in his life. Zacchaeus saw Jesus and when Zacchaeus saw Jesus, guess what happened? He saw himself. When he really saw Jesus... Then he really saw himself. You might remember these words from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 6 and verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him. Who called. The, and the house of, uh, was filled with smoke. And I said. This is Isaiah. Woe is me for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. Here's what happened. When Isaiah and saw the lord he saw himself he really saw himself maybe the reason that more people have flaws in their reputation that they're not willing to fix is because they're not really willing to see the lord they're not really willing to to fix their eyes on jesus like isaiah When Zacchaeus saw the Lord he saw himself and he knew that he had a reputation. His reputation was of a thief and he he knew that he had cheated some people and in the course of receiving taxes he had become a rich, rich man. He knew that meeting with Jesus had made a change in his life. He couldn't see, he sought to see Jesus and he couldn't see Jesus without seeing the truth about himself. And when he saw the truth about himself he knew that something had to change. And so he sent a message. He was a different man and he wanted people to know that he was a different man. Why was he a different man? Because he'd seen Jesus. He knew that he had to live a new life and he had an old reputation to overcome. So on the spot he committed to take half of his personal wealth and give it to the poor. Half of his personal wealth. I don't. I personally don't know anybody who's ever done that. I'm sure there are people who have, but I don't personally know anybody that's done that. And, and he, he pledged to do that. Not only that, but he committed to pay some people that he had defrauded four times the amount that he had defrauded. And here's, here's what that means. If he had cheated them $100, he was going to give them $400 back. He said, well, he just had a couple of folks to do that for. I don't think so. He got rich doing this. And so he said, I'm going to give back, I'm going to give to the poor half of all that I've got, and then I'm going to find these people that I've defrauded, and I'm going to pay them back four times what I've defrauded them. I'm going to send a message with my life. I've, I am a different person. I am not going to be like I was before. And I'm not going, I don't want to be seen like I was seen before. Sometimes our lives have been in such a state for so long that we need to send a new message. It needs to be different. We need to be like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge after uh, he was visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And the next morning he he woke up and, and he realized it was day and he danced and he said, oh, I'm as light as a feather, I'm as giddy as a child. And he went out and he changed his reputation in the town and the, do you remember the end of the story? The end of the story says, it was said that no one ever knew how well to keep Christmas, how better to keep Christmas than Ebenezer Scrooge. He completely changed his reputation. Here's what I know for sure. I know for sure that we, at some point, come to regret our reputation. We we had a <clears throat> we had an old boy in this church. He's dead now. And and uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and use his name. His his uh, former wife still living, children still living, and in, in this town. But I'm going to use his name. His Name was Wayne Davis. How many of you remember Wayne Davis? If you raise your hand. You remember Wayne Davis. Wayne Davis was a builder in this town, and Wayne Davis was, uh, he actually built Ronnie and Jane Williams' house. Wayne Davis was one of the most meticulous builders in this town. He was one of the most hard-to-get-along-with builders in this town. I mean, Wayne was rough, really, really rough, And, and Wayne If you ever bought a house from Wayne, uh, you you got a house that that was done right because he wouldn't wouldn't always even do it the way the customer wanted it because he would say, I'm not going to put my name on that. If you want that done that way, that'll be fine. You get somebody else to do it because I am not going to have people say that I built that house and it looked like that or that I did this on that house. He was tough. And so he'd come in, those subcontractors, he would lay them low. I mean, they would flinch. Wayne got saved. I mean, he got born again. He got born again. He got baptized right there in that baptistry. When, when he died, we, we did his funeral service right here in this church. And, and Wayne, <laughs> Wayne set out to change his reputation. We would have lunch on a regular basis and he would say to me he would say he he would say preacher you saved me I said no Wayne I didn't save you I didn't save you Jesus saved you Wayne I did not save you I know I know what I know what you mean by that and you're right but you know what I mean I thank you Wayne Wayne kept trying to build I, I can't tell you the number of times that Wayne tried to build me a new house I'm serious about that tried to build me a new house he he, he wanted to build me a house over here in in uh, the Jackson area or uh, that hermitage on you know where on either side he said preacher I, I, let me build you a house at cost in there no I don't Wayne I like my house Aubrey Mayo built my house it's a really really good house I like yeah but I want you to have a new house you need a new house no I don't need a new house one time he said to me, just, just before he died, I can't remember, let's say he died in 2011. Uh, he, he said, uh, or, or a, a 2010, he said, yeah, but preacher, you have a 1992 model house. You need a 2010 model house. He said, you're not driving the same car from 1992, are you? Wayne, I don't need that. That, that was really Wayne's heart. I'm, I'm not kidding about that. And I'm still living, Aubrey, in your house, and nobody's getting me out of it, okay? So uh, I'm, I'm still... Uh, living in my Aubrey Mayo built house but Wayne people would talk to me and I'd say Wayne Davis goes to my they talk about something about Bill and I said yeah you know Wayne Davis yeah and I said Wayne Davis goes to my church and they said he does man and and over the years they began to say he's really changed they used to say that to me he's really changed What happened to him? Well, he did change. He was still wane. He was still meticulous. He was still a perfectionist. But he found Jesus and he began to change his reputation. You can change your reputation. You can. You can fix it up. It may involve repentance. It may involve restoring. Here's one more and I'm done. That is some resolve. Here's an interesting person that needed to work on reputation John chapter 8 verse 2 early in the morning he came again to the temple all the people came to him and sat down and taught them the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery placing her in the midst they said to him teacher this woman has been caught in the act of adultery now in the law of Moses now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women so what do you say this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground and as they continued to ask him he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it they went away one by one beginning with the older ones and the And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Resolve. Resolve. He had her resolve to sin no more. If you're going to fix up your reputation, you've got to be resolved to sin no more. If you have the blessing of getting your reputation fixed up, you have to resolve to live that new reputation. It's literally turning the page it's turning the page and living the new reputation there's no one here who's too young to turn the page there's no one here who's too old to turn the page we can all turn the page we may have to repent we may have to restore. We'll certainly need to be resolved. But your reputation can be fixed. But you've got to face it in order to fix it. Let me bring this message to a close with the assumption that all of us need to work on our reputation from time to time. And some of us need to work on it right now. There are other things that you might be able to do, but these three basic steps, repent, restore, and resolve, all of these three areas of life in in disrepair are, are founded in these things. These areas are deeply personal. If you've hurt your reputation, it's a deeply personal thing. I would not ever have you stand up and say how you've ruined your reputation I would never ever do that but you can change your reputation personal as they may be you fix them up and the result will be a public change in your life like the prodigal and Zacchaeus and the adulterous woman we have something that should be repaired in our reputations let's Face it, about face it, fess up to it, and fix it. I, I didn't plan to say this, but I, I'll, I'll close with this. I, I've been on Facebook for, I don't know, a few years now. Not a long time, but a few years. One Christmas, my son, uh, one of my sons put me on Facebook. And uh, he said, here's dad, this is the way you work it, and so on and so on. Okay, thank you. And, and put me on Facebook. And then I began to get friend requests. And, and the most interesting friend requests to me are the requests from people that I went to high school with. Those are the most interesting. High school, even elementary school. Those are the most interesting friend requests. And I'm going to tell you the reason. Because I have a chance to look at their lives today as opposed to the life that I remember. There are some people on there that when I first saw them, my last memory of them was, they don't have a very good reputation. Not at all. I've got friends that, who were guys, who are rough as a cob, man. I mean, rough, 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 rough. They now love Jesus. They put verses on their pages, make verses their profile pictures. There were girls, girls who had really bad reputations in school, who are now my friends on Facebook. Pastor Ray, you. Facebook befriended the girls with a bad reputation? Yeah, just out of curiosity. Great people. Wonderful parents and grandparents who love Jesus. It's an amazing thing. It really is an amazing thing. And I have looked at this more than once and said to myself thank God for the way our reputations can change we're the same people but we have a new story in our lives do you have a new story live your new reputation."